Welcome to the Best Business Podcast, the podcast for established marketers, entrepreneurs, and CEOs, the ones who want to join me in my mission to create 200 new multimillionaires who solve world problems with entrepreneurship. If that's you, then this podcast was created to give you access to the tools, training, strategies, and tactics you need to achieve multiple seven-figure profits as soon as possible. This world needs the best business you can build, so please get ready, open your mind, believe you can do this, and let's build a better world together for future generations. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by my friend Adrian Savage. Adrian is a dad, a geek, and an entrepreneur, and he's been an Infusionsoft certified consultant and developer for the last six years since he left the corporate world. And when one of his clients had a major issue getting their emails delivered, he quickly became an email deliverability expert. In fact, to solve his client's problem, he created WeDeliver.email, a unique solution that lets Infusionsoft users deliver their emails through third-party providers without changing the way that Infusionsoft works. Since then, he's worked with many well-known names to help them improve their email deliverability, inbox placement, and audience engagement to help them get their message out more effectively, get more emails opened, and ultimately get more sales. I've asked him to join us here today because for anyone using email in their business, they know making sure your message gets through and gets opened is not as easy as it once was. So Adrian, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Hey, Daryl. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing really well, thank you. That's awesome. And we've talked shop a little bit on email deliverability. And for some people, if you're listening in and you know if you're just a fan of the show and listening to this and it doesn't seem to relate to you, like before email used to be like mail. If you tried to mail your customer, it wasn't guaranteed your mail would actually get delivered all the way through. There was a lot of drop-off points. When you drop it off at the post office, they may have just thought it was junk mail because if you were doing bulk mailing and just thrown some in the trash, it might not have been delivered to the proper place and then just kind of been thrown out because it was improperly sorted. The postal worker at the other end that's supposed to do the route and pick it up maybe wanted to get out early one day and didn't think your letter was important. There was a lot of missteps that can happen along the way. Now, when we first came out with electronic mail, that wasn't as much of an issue, but over time, a lot of these drop-off points kind of have established in their own little digital ways. So part of what we're here to talk about today is that exactly because just because you're sending out a thousand emails or 20,000 emails doesn't mean that those people are a getting them or b that they're opening and reading them so now adrian can you maybe give us a scope a bit about what's going on in the email world today like um I want to talk a bit about your story, but really to get started, just to kind of paint the picture for people, what's the environment right now for a lot of businesses? Whoa. Okay. Now, the greatest comparison I normally make with email deliverability is it is a little bit like search engine optimization or SEO. Um, You know how everyone's always playing this game to try and stay one step ahead of Google and try and make sure they're on page one of the rankings and all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the really scary thing is that getting your emails into the inboxes of your audience is probably now even tougher than keeping ahead of Google with SEO. It's reached the point where the landscape is shifting, maybe not on a daily basis, but, you know, weekly, monthly, there's little changes. And for so many reasons, it's just getting harder and harder to get your emails open and read by your audience. Hmm. So it's really just around not necessarily keeping one step ahead of things, because as long as you do the right things, then you're going to have success. But it's more around just understanding how the system is changing. And you know, we're, we're talking billions of emails every day are being sent around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it all went wrong in the first place is because of our favorite topic called spam. And if it wasn't for the fact that all these really shady characters out there trying to sell their, you know, real, all the things, you know, your phishing emails, your fake emails, your scams, your Viagra adverts, all this kind of stuff. And because of the proliferation of that, 
everyone's had to put defences up against, you know, emails that you don't want. And the result of that is sometimes the legitimate stuff doesn't get through or because it might look like it's not legit. And then the other challenge, of course, is that, you know, when I started, you know, I've been in the IT world for, what, 35 years or so now. And back in the early days when email came out, it was like it was a novelty and nobody used it. And if you got an email, you read it. Whereas now, I mean, I have a fairly quiet inbox and I get maybe 200 mails a day. And I'm sure not going to read all of them because even though they've come in, they've got through the spam filters and all the rest of it, then I just don't have time and most of them don't capture my interest. So I'm only going to open the mails that I really want to see. So you put all that together and it's getting harder and harder and harder to actually get your emails to the point where they go out to your audience, they see them, they open them, they read them. So what I can share is a few hints and tips that will make it easier for you to achieve that because at the end of the day, if you can't engage with your audience, then you can't add value to them, you can't get your message out there. And you know, to most business people, but even if you're not in the business, even if you're just keeping in touch with someone personally, if, someone, if, you, if your emails don't get read, you've got a problem. Mm, 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 mm. Now, before we even jump into that, can you tell me a little bit about your story? Like, how did you get started? How, like, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? You were in the corporate world to begin with. Like, what was your path on being a business owner itself? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a real, it's an interesting story because I was so not cut out to be an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my family was all, you know, traditional old school. So, you know, I, I was, I've been a geek since I was seven years old. So I was, I was very lucky. My dad brought home an Apple II computer to help him with his work. Um, he kind of didn't get on with it very well. He was about to sling the thing out of the window, which is when seven-year-old Adrian starts reading the manual and teaching dad how to use his computer. So that, that turned me into the geek that I am now. So I was kind of marked for that. I studied computer science at school. I worked hard. I got good results. I got a job. I got into corporate life, did IT and telecoms. And to be honest, I'd still be doing that now. And I'd probably be enjoying it if I hadn't had a few life-changing experiences like getting divorced, like having my ex-wife move to the other end of the country with my kids. Mm. So suddenly I had a few wake-up calls that meant I had to change my life. If I'd have stayed in corporate life, I'd have had no time off. I wouldn't have seen my kids. I wouldn't have built a relationship with them. So something had to give. And that was how I discovered the whole land of you know, being an entrepreneur and business and sales and marketing and that kind of thing. Um, found that a lot of entrepreneurs get absolutely terrified with technology. So I kind of took my geeky approach, combined that with sales and marketing, discovered Infusionsoft. And I guess the rest is history. I really got into Infusionsoft in a big way. One of the few guys around the world who's got 100% on the certification exams several years running. Wow. Um, since then, I've kind of, I've a little bit moved away from Infusionsoft, having learned that actually I much prefer working at a strategic level, helping people really grow their businesses and Infusionsoft is just one of the tools that allows that and then obviously as, as you mentioned you know I had a client that had problems with their emails getting through and I suddenly came upon a solution almost by accident because I'd worked out how another client could send emails from their website that was blacklisted without going into spam using some software called Mandrill. I had another client using Infusionsoft that couldn't get their emails through. And I kind of put two and two together and made about probably about 4,000, to be honest, because I worked out how to get Infusionsoft to talk to Mandrill so that when Infusionsoft couldn't get the mail through, we could use this other tool as an alternative. Um, so you had the best of both worlds. You had the automation and the power of Infusionsoft, but we're using another third-party tool to actually deliver the mail. That solved the problem for that client. And I suddenly realized that if that client's got a problem, then maybe a few others out there have as well. And that was how we delivered our email grew. So right now I'm running that business and that's a, you know, it's, it's a really successful, very, very micro niche business. It is literally you know, a few dozen customers. 
So there's not many people that need it, but the guys that need it, it makes a massive difference for them. Um, I'm still doing my general consulting, and I'm also doing a lot of work now as an email deliverability. Um, I use the word expert loosely because I hate anyone who brands themselves an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy who's done a hell of a lot of research, mm. um, learnt what I can, and whatever I learn, I'll share with as many people as I can to help them. So if that makes me an expert compared to some people, then that's cool. But from my perspective, I'm just learning what I can and sharing that as widely as possible. So what have been some of the greatest challenges for you in your business career and how have you overcome them? Oh, the biggest one without a doubt was overreaching. I was trying to do too much too quickly, um, getting some grand ideas, building a team, and I wasn't ready for it. So that was probably the biggest challenge because before I knew it, my costs were outweighing my revenues, all this kind of thing, and the business had a very tough time. Hmm. I had to make a very tough decision to scale it right back and just start to focus on one thing at a time. And that, coincidentally, that was about the time that We Deliver was born as well, just when I was you know, pretty much retreating back a bit, licking my wounds. Um, working out how to be more successful than I had been. And it was almost by accident that, you know, it, it, it is some, sometimes it's, it's interesting how the right thing comes along at the right time. Mm-hmm. But I was just ready to do something slightly different, slightly new. Um, and that's when the opportunity came to solve this problem for my client, which um, I'll be honest, it took six months of blood, sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. But by the time I'd got to the end of that, then it was very clear that I had a product that I could market as well. So whereas I, I was mainly intending to stay doing consulting and marketing advice and things like that then you know this opportunity came and I was just lucky enough to see the opportunity and and have I, I guess with, with apologies to Liam Neeson I did have the the right particular set of skills that let me build the solution <laughs> I love that and so what I love about this and what the audience should be listening to is that you solve one person's problem and then found a way to make it scalable that you could do that for thousands of people yes I love that. Absolutely. Because that's, I mean, that's the quintessential thing. There's a lot of people that have grandiose visions of solving a million people's needs, but at the end of the day, it's one customer at a time. And then thank goodness, because of technology and that, we find ways to multiply and scale ourselves. So it's just, I just love that because you focus on solving a problem, not so much of a market. And then now you've got a problem and now you're going, who are the people that suffer from this problem and which ones, you know, do I want to deal with? Because that's the thing. Yeah. You, you know what problem you solve and there's a whole host of people that have that problem. You get to cherry pick the types of customers you want. So I really like that. And I liked how you talk about focus. You said you focus on one thing at a time. I got a favorite uh, acronym for focus. Follow one course until successful. Focus. Follow one course until successful. Do less, better, and to completion. That's such a great, yeah, great thing. Absolutely. And and the thing is that, that is an antidote is an antidote to a horrible disease called entrepreneuritis. Mm-hmm. And you know, every entrepreneur I've ever met at some point or other becomes a chi- a shy penny chaser Um, and there's always one next great thing just around the corner and I think if you can manage to focus on one thing and follow it through to completion then that is the that is consistently the answer to success Mm -hmm. is focus and you know being single-minded and I'll admit I suck at it I've had to work really hard at being single-minded and even now there's a few too many little distractions that I've got when I focus on the one thing that's when success comes along every time Mm, 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 mm. yeah I think that's that's so 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 true so what would you recommend to people who are starting out and struggling in their businesses? I think it is. It's, it's a variant on what we've just said. It's pick one thing and become brilliant at it. That's the most important thing. At the same time, though, and this is the thing that really tripped me up for a long time, is you have got to be supremely confident that you can do it. Hmm. I think it is way too easy 
to allow yourself to get in your way, to not have the confidence. It's not good enough to think you can do it. You have to know that what you are doing is going to be successful. Yeah. Anything less than that, and you're setting yourself up for a big fall because you've got that bit of doubt at the back of your mind that someone's going to find you out. And I'll be really honest, it's been a massive challenge for me, and I've had too much self-doubt for too long. And it was only when I reached the point when I could deal with that self-doubt, when I could start to choose to ignore that little crazy person in my head telling me that I couldn't do this, um, and start to really, truly believe in myself and have supreme confidence I could do it, that's when it all started to come together. Mm. And the more I practice that, the more successful it becomes comes. Mm, I think that's so powerful because if you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody else believe in you? Yeah, right? absolutely. And and the other thing that if anyone here is listening to this and they they feel like trapped in that, something that helps me from time to time is if I ever feel like I'm getting that way, it's not about you. You have to remember that it's not about you at all. It's about the other person and their problem. Yeah. And, you know, and if, I mean, if I were, if I'm suffering from a problem, if my neck was bleeding and someone who's not a trained professional was willing to try to help me and get me to the hospital, right? I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's go. I don't care. You're not a doctor. Yeah. Hold the towel on my neck. Let's go. Yep. Like, it's not a question of that. And so a lot of people forget that is that if you're in a nice to have category, move to a need to have category. You know, that's where it's focused on the problem because if you're problem oriented, you're a need to have for somebody. And when you're a need to have, their neck is bleeding because they need to have it. Yep. And so it's not about you. It's about them. And it's about the problem that you're trying to help them solve. Yep, so all these feelings of inadequacy and all that sort of stuff, they can go out the window because you are just there to serve. So it's the same thing. I mean, you're allowed to charge a fee because you're entitled to earn an income. You are worth earning an income. That might be something you have to address on a subconscious level. But beyond that, just, hey, I want to help you along the goal. I might not be the only person you come to for help. And I may not be the last person you come to help for this. But I'd really like to take a swing at it. And I think I can do a great job. You know what I mean? Like, and remove yourself from the equation. I think that's something that helps me just to, I mean, obviously we can only do so much on a call, but I think that's a good tip is just to not make it about yourself, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Because I think the thing is, if you've got something that's absolutely amazing and you're not sharing with it as many people as possible, yep. you are ripping them off. Yep. Yep. It's as simple as that. If you've got something, then it is your duty to share it in whatever way that works for you. And you know, going back to what you said about money, I know that some people have, you know, they have money issues. I certainly have in the past. And uh, again, the way I look at it now, I'm going to put the value out there. And when I do a good job, then I get rewarded. You know, money is nothing more than a round of applause for a job well done. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to do the best darn job that I can. Mm -hmm. And then when that gets recognised, then hey, I'm open for that round of applause. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to keep on doing a really good job. That's it. That's it. So well said. So um, now, what do you see are some of the greatest mistakes you see your clients and entrepreneurs making in terms of like email marketing? Being scared to let go. That is the biggest mistake out there. What does that mean? And what I mean by that is supposing you've been years and years building up your email database and it doesn't matter whether you've used Infusionsoft, MailChimp, Aweber, it doesn't matter. Imagine you spent all these years building up this email database and then someone someone like me who claims they know everything comes along and says, right, you've got to, you've got to delete half of your contacts out of your database now. Because if you don't do that, you're, you're going to lose the ability to communicate. And people look at me as if I'm mad. Mm. And there's a massive, massive terror that comes along at the prospect of, hey, you're telling me I can't mail half my list anymore? Mm -hmm. And the reason, I'll, I'll come to that in a little bit, but bearing in mind you have to be able to let go sometimes. You have to recognize that some people just don't want to hear from you anymore and you have to let them go. 
And that is probably the, the biggest mistake people make is that they won't let go of it. And I'm a little bit of a sexist joke here. Um, but you know how it's always the guys that say that size doesn't matter? Uh, yeah. Strangely enough, it's the same guys that will not let go of their email list. And they're, you know, they're all about the size of the list, not the quality. Mm. And maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair on the guys. But my female clients seem to be much more pragmatic and much more willing to cull their list if it means they're going to get better results. Right. But it is an interesting one because you know it's one of these cases where really and truly less can be more. So. Why, why am I deleting half my list? Like, if you give me a good reason, I will, but why? Okay, sure. So this all started to change. I first learned about this, it's probably about six years ago when I was just first getting into Infusionsoft. And the phenomenon of engagement scoring was in its infancy. It was something that Google and Gmail had just started to do. Uh, I'll explain briefly how it works. Imagine you're sending 10,000 emails out. So you've got an audience, you've got 10,000 people on your list, and you're going to send an email to all 10,000 people. Now, these days, probably... Probably a little bit more than half of your audience will be using Gmail or G Suite or one of the Google email tools to, to manage their email. And that's quite scary because it means that Google can see pretty much half of all the emails that are going around the world. And what, they, what that allows them to do is it allows them to start crowdsourcing engagement data. And what I mean by that is that they can, um, they can start to keep tabs on all the different email senders in the world and work out who's sending out junk and who's sending out stuff that people really want to read. And imagine you're sending out emails to 10,000 people and only 500 of them actually open that email. Mm -hmm. What that's doing is that's telling Google that pretty much there's a load of rubbish being sent out there that nobody wants to read. Mm. And then imagine if that same person keeps doing that day after day, week after week, month after month. Google's going to be watching that and they're saying, dude, no one wants to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And at that point, what Google's going to do is if this happens long enough and the engagement stays low, then Google's going to say, I think this, this is a load of trash. I'm going to start putting it into the spam folder mm. and it's all done on the behavior of the audience it doesn't matter how good that email is if people aren't opening your emails then google is going to spot this and they're going to start taking action and they're going to penalize you by you know it might be that you just end up in the promotions tab or it might be that you end up in the spam folder and it is very much down to what the behavior is of your audience and google pioneered it but you know it's no surprise now that microsoft is doing it yahoo is doing it so it doesn't matter which email provides you're using the chances are your behavior is telling them whether or not they should put this mail in the spam in the future. Mm, mm, mm. And I think if for people that may be like that stupid or not quite get it, I think you have to remember for the email service providers, Gmail wants people to use Gmail and nothing else, right? Yep. They don't want you to use Hotmail. They don't want you to go anywhere. And if you have to think if someone were in your room, I've said this, I've been saying this for years now, probably at least three years. If someone was in your office and you were just barking at them and they never looked at you, they never said mm-hmm and acknowledged and nodded their head, they never said anything back how would you rate on a scale of one to ten the quality of that relationship do you know what i mean like it would obviously not be a good relationship there's no engagement they're not even really acknowledging your existence they're not responding they're not you know they're not doing anything and it's the same with email if you're blasting emails at people and they're not opening they're not clicking they're not doing anything you know that's obviously like you said there google and these people are going this is just junk this is spam we're going to put it in the spam folder and so that's a great analogy now do you have to delete the contacts what do you recommend do you just start filtering out how frequently you email those people or what? Do you just delete them? 
Okay, so the simple answer is it depends. <laughs> the slightly more detailed answer is that the big thing is how good you are at keeping your database clean and up to date. Because the one of the issues that you've got is if you just keep mailing people and let's suppose their mailbox becomes inactive or something like that, they close their Gmail account down or something, that, that email address is going to stop working. Now, if you're using any decent email marketing tool, then it will realize this and it will stop you from sending mails. But supposing you don't send emails out very often to your audience, then it might be that if you wait too long, and we're probably talking six months here, so as long as you're keeping in touch with your audience reasonably frequently, you won't fall foul of this unless you're being a bit of a naughty boy or a naughty girl. But as long as you're removing people with dead email addresses from your list, then you're not going to trigger spam traps and things like that. Because what all of these providers will do is, supposing I've got a, an email address at Google that, that is just adrian at gmail.com or something like that, and I stop using it, then Google are going to wait six months and then maybe after six months or so, they're going to reopen that email address if no one else has claimed it. And what they'll be doing is they'll be looking to see who is still sending emails to that address which hasn't been active for more than six months. And if someone repeatedly sends emails to that, as a, mm. which is you know, it's a spam, spam trap address, then, again, you will very quickly get blacklisted, not just by Google, but there's all kind of different organizations out there like Spam House and you know, all these other blacklists. And they're looking for that kind of behavior to actually catch people who aren't looking after their list. Mm. Mm. So that's that's one one of the reasons why you know you should actually delete people. But as long as you're mailing slightly more often than that, what you need to be doing is just looking at who is opening your emails and how often. Because as an example, if there's someone who hasn't opened a single email for you for three months, then something's gone wrong. They're either not interested anymore or they're all going into the spam or whatever it is, but they, they're not seeing your emails. Now, those guys, by continuing to mail them, you're giving Google the chance to realize that they're not engaged with you. If that's a widespread issue, you're going to find that it becomes a vicious circle because the fewer people that see your emails, the fewer people will get them delivered to. Mm. So what that means is at that point, yes, yeah, certainly you should stop emailing in general. Um, and this is where the purpose of something called a re-engagement campaign might come in because it's not a reasonable to give people one last chance it might be that they just got distracted and maybe they're seeing your emails come in and they're just kind of ignoring um so you can put together a little engage a re-engagement campaign that will just send an email saying hey do you still want to hear from me if you do then click on this link and i'll keep sending you an emails and if for whatever reason they still ignore it then there might be a you know you send an email is this goodbye um and then maybe one last email saying right that's it and then after that you stop the beauty of that is you can automate all of that you know if you're using infusionsoft or active campaign or any of the more sophisticated marketing automation mm -hmm, platforms, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can automate the whole process. So you can say every time someone gets a three months where they haven't opened an email from you, then you can actually put them into a re-engagement campaign and it will automatically give them this kind of one last chance. And then if they still don't respond after that, you've got to, you know, maybe not delete them from your database. If you're if you're not being charged per contact, then you might choose to just put a tag on there or deactivate them or something like that. But at the end of the day, you just got to do something to make sure you don't keep mailing these guys because you're not doing anyone any favors. They don't want to hear from you and you don't want your engagement to go down any further right and there's things that you can do especially in today's day and age you can try to re-engage them with exporting the email and uploading it to something like facebook or google adwords where if you have i think at least 100 email addresses uh you know you can run ads to those people and that would be a way to try to re-engage them Absolutely. but yeah i think people are really protective people are really protective of their email inboxes right like yeah you, yep. you can show ads on the sidebar of at of google or on facebook or again on a page that you're going like google ads sense or whatever adwords uh, the display network but if you're in someone's email 
mailbox. People treat that like you're in their house. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, it, it is. And the thing is, email is a very, very personal thing still because, you know, people get very, very highly outraged if they think that getting spammed. Mm. And, you know, so the, the, the easiest way to get shut down from sending email is if you just annoy one person sufficiently to the point where they make a personal abuse complaint about you. Right, right. You know how the, the, you've got the feedback process. So at the bottom of every email that comes from any marketing platform, you've got an unsubscribe link, you, and then they give you the chance to report that as spam. If you're using anything like Gmail or Yahoo or Hotmail or whatever, there's a spam button right at the top of your email client as well. And all those things, in theory, that will stop the mails going out. However, if you really dig deep, then you'll find there's also a way of reporting abuse, and you can actually contact whichever mail provider the sender is sending their mails through. And you can send, you know, it'll be abuse at, you know, whatever, you know, aweber.com, abuse at infusionsoft.com, whatever it is. And you can send a, a human written complaint to that. And as long as you can justify it and hold it up, those guys will investigate and they will come down very hard on that person. Right. So you've got to make sure that if you're sending out thousands and thousands of emails, then you don't want to upset people to the point where they're going to do that. Because I've seen it happen. Because then, you know, as long as you are squeaky clean, you're okay. But if you're doing anything that's even slightly shady um, and you come to the attention of the email compliance team in, in whichever ESP you're using, then you're going to have a whole long conversation that you haven't got time for and don't want that, you know, and depending on the provider, they might actually shut down your email sending while you're having the conversation as well. And if your business depends on email, yeah. then that can become very costly very quickly indeed. Yeah, very scary. Very, very, very scary. And like you said, it's a conversation you don't want to have because as soon as you're having that conversation, the, the chips are stacked against you already. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's exactly. fantastic. So can we recap on some of the best habits you feel that have helped you and your clients have fantastic email lists? And I love what you said before too, that it's not about the size of your email list. It's about the relationship. I know of people that have done over $100,000 with an email list of 200 people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's because the the quality of the relationship. And I think that that's really important. So can you maybe speak to the habits or just recap on the habits? you know, to have a really highly engaged list and a clean list? Yeah, I think the, the, the main thing, and I'll, I'll kind of widen it out a little bit and say that um, people who are most successful are the ones who take responsibility for their own email reputation and their own email quality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's way too often I hear people blaming the email service providers. They blame Infusionsoft. They blame MailChimp. They say, oh, deliverability sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have spent a lot of time comparing all the different platforms. And in particular, I've worked a lot with the with the email teams at Infusionsoft and ActiveCampaign. And the one thing thing I will say is these guys, they literally work tirelessly, almost round the clock to make sure that their emails get through as best as possible. Hmm. And there is nothing that these guys aren't doing on your behalf to get the emails out there. Right. So anyone who starts coming along saying it's Infusionsoft's fault, then I will agree that maybe one time out of a hundred, there might be a specific scenario where the provider has got a problem, okay. either that affects your specific audience or maybe everybody, but that's a rarity. But most cases, it is down to the quality of the emails um you know people think that there's a deliverability problem but actually in most cases it's just that because of the way that you're sending your emails then the googles and hotmails of this world are just deciding not to put it into the inbox there's a very big difference between a deliverability problem where you know the emails literally aren't getting as far as gmail versus an inbox placement problem where it's got as far as gmail and gmail's just decided hey i'm going to put this in the spam right 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 so it's very much about the mindset and not blaming deliverability and saying you know i take responsibility for this i just need to do whatever i I can to make sure my emails and my sending my habits are good enough to get me into the inbox 
And, you know, there are some tools in people's, uh, that are out there in people's favor to make this easy because it might sound kind of scary or daunting right now. But a couple of things that I'd like to speak to that, that kind of feed off what you mentioned was like changing a provider won't help, right? If you're, if you're with someone, if you're with Active Campaign or Aweber or NetAtlantic or whoever and you're having email issues, it won't help you to switch to another provider. In fact, it can hurt you. Is that accurate? I'd say 99, 99 and a half times out of 100, then switching providers is going to make no difference. And you're absolutely right. When you switch to a new provider, you are always going to have an uphill struggle because, again, there's um, something else called snowshoe spam that I won't go into now because it would take way too long to describe it. But the idea being that bammers will often use multiple different platforms to send their emails out. So if you suddenly start using multiple platforms at the same time to send your emails, then you're going to trigger a snowshoe spam filter. And even if you just move from one to another, then, you know, again, Gmail knows that, you know, right now, so take you as an example, Daryl, you might be using Infusionsoft right now. If you suddenly switch to Aweber, then Gmail is going to say, hey, this, this guy started using a different platform. What's going on? Right. And they're going to look on that much more suspiciously than if you just carry on using your existing platform. Right. So it is, it's, a, it's about developing a habit and consistency is key here. Don't chop and change between platforms because it's certainly not going to help. Right, 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 right. And then owning the quality. So because email, people think email is cheap because in some ways it is cheap, but people's attention isn't cheap. If you waste, the, you know, I mean, it's like when someone, I, I'm, I'm regrettably, there's people that, in fact, earlier today, I'm not going to go into details, but there's people that have access to me because of family relations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, they've just abused it to the point where out of courtesy, I sit there on the phone. Yes. Yeah. OK. But realistically, I'm not engaged at all. Right. Like I've I've totally checked out yeah. and emails the same thing. So just because you can write an email and send it to people doesn't mean you should doesn't mean it's a good idea. And so when you had to pay to put letters in the mail, if you had to pay a dollar, two dollars per letter and you were going to mail 500 letters, you would put a lot of thought into that because that was going to be 500 to a thousand dollars you're going to spend. So you're, you get really clear about, look, what do I want to say to these people, right? Because I'm going to be spending this money. What do I want to say? But with email, it's like, da, 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 oh, done. And it's so fast. It's so thoughtless. So it really, in some ways, it can be a disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing that's to people's advantage is what you said before is you can automate this. You can schedule these. So it doesn't mean you have to constantly be coming up with new emails. I mean, you do need to constantly come up with new emails, but you can come up with a good topic, a timeless thing, something relevant, catchy, you know, uh, interesting to the person and the end user. And then you put that in your responder so everybody gets that on day 10 or everybody gets that on day 42. And so now you don't have to constantly be the hamster in the wheel, so to speak, every time somebody signs up, every time somebody buys your product, you can already have those emails pre written to go out. And so that's the one thing that I think is to our advantage right now. But it sounds like for a lot of people, there's going to be a continually uphill battle because I think people are just going to crack down more and more and more on these, you know, like you said, on these people that are just kind of wasting people's time. And yeah, absolutely. And and going back on what you've just said there, you know, you've really hit the nail on the head in that, yes, it's possible to automate all that stuff. And the thing is, is it's with, with, you've got a lot of power there and with power comes responsibility because it's way too easy. And this is, this is why I do love the more sophisticated platforms, the infusion soft active campaigns of this world that have real sophistication because you can't just do a one-size-fits-all approach anymore you can't just send the same stuff to everybody in the hope they'll all want to see it you've got to be able to personalize the emails so that people are only going to receive the ones that they want to receive mm-hmm. so you know, let's, let's say you're running a pet shop and you, you are not going to send 
an email about how to look after your dog to 5,000 people who only own cats. Mm-hmm. You, you just wouldn't do it. But at the moment, that's effectively what people are doing with their, with their simple email marketing platform. They're not segmenting their audience. They're not working out what they want to really see. And they're not sending the appropriate content to the right people at the right time. And, and again, that's a recipe for disengagement. You know, this is all about how are you going to get as many people as possible to want to open your stuff. So you've got to use every single trick that you can think of to make your content relevant. Right. Relevancy is everything. Exactly. You know, because if it's not relevant, if they don't want to hear from you, they're not going to engage with you. Yeah. And again, it's going back to, you know, the size is not important. It's the quality. It's are you sending out stuff that people really want to hear? Right. Right. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is waste someone's time. Yeah. Because if you do it often enough, they're not going to give you their time again. Yeah, absolutely. And worse than that as well, in many cases, they won't even hit the unsubscribe button because actually getting people unsubscribe is really cool because it means that you're not wasting someone's time. But the thing is, you're just going to be fighting against apathy. Yeah. So it's almost you want to make it as easy as possible for your audience to unsubscribe when they've had enough. And in the meantime, just give them as much value as you can. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so well said. So well said. So where do you see the future of this? Where do you see things going? Where do you see things evolving five years, 10 years from now? I think that email is really changing. And I think that it's already changed to the point where it's one of several different forms of engagement. You know, because now we've got things like Facebook Messenger. We've always had things like text message SMS. We've got, you know, people using various apps on their mobile phone. We've got WhatsApp. So I think, you know, email is no longer the only game in town. So now it's becoming part more of a multi-channel strategy. And what I'm seeing now is how, as time goes on, on the one hand, it's still going to be crucial to recognize that email has a really important part to play and we have to get as many people engaging with us via email as possible still but certainly if I look at the younger generations now then they they're much more likely to use different communication channels so my daughter's just turned 18 and last time I kind of I was in the same room when she went into a gmail to find something and she had about 10,000 unread emails in there she just doesn't use her email because she's using snapchat she's using Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is so I think it's about being diverse enough to have multiple ways of engaging so you have really so is it we've always talked about multi-step multimedia engagement campaigns but now the multimedia bit is really widening out because you, you've got to not just send different types of media you've got to use different channels to reach people right so um you know the more versatile a platform can be so you can use all these different platforms and i think that's where the future is starting to lie but at the same time email you know i can't see it dying anytime soon because it's still for many things it's the best way of getting the message out you know it's like you know, you're not going to send um, a job application via whatsapp as an example right so it's i think it's about get the message to match the medium and the channel that's the most important thing but recognize that as long as you continue to get into good habits and make the best of it then email still has got plenty to do and it is just you know protect your reputation work on your content send the right stuff to the right people all of those things you know will will make the difference and sure there's lots of techie stuff that you can do but i'll always advise people to keep away from the techie bits until you've got your house in order until the content is right until you're sending things out that people really want to hear from you Mm. so how do you do you have any tips on that? How do people make sure their content is right? Because an email, it's hard to gauge. It's not like a web like a web page. I can set up a heat map, right? I can count clicks on my website. I can look at Google Analytics and see how long people are up on my page. How do I check my email? How do I validate the quality of my email content? Yeah, this is a tough one. This is where if I'm working with a private consulting client on their marketing strategy in general, one of the things I'm always going to put in there is to make sure they're using communication channels that allow two-way feedback. 
Because the only way you're going to find out, if you send out 10,000 emails and no one clicks the link, you won't know why. Right. You'll never know. So this is why I love things like phone calls, telemarketing, stuff like that. You know, So if you've got a big audience, then maybe you've got to check in with a few people. Small audience, maybe you can ring them up a bit more. And I'm a massive fan of having interactions like that where it's actually one person talking to another. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a, a side note. The other thing that I really advocate massively, um, and this is more difficult if you've got a big database, is actually encourage people to reply to your emails, ask them questions, get them to engage with you. And I will share a little little kind of power tip here. The most likely way to get people to see your email in their inbox is to ask them to reply to you. If someone replies to a message inside Gmail, Gmail sees that as one of the strongest indications that they want to still hear from you. Right. So, you know, so sending out, you know, because normally if someone sends out a survey by email, they say, click on this link or click here for this, click here for that, whatever it is. Um, and sure, that's a sign of engagement engagement, but it's not a great one. If you can actually get someone, if you can motivate them to the point and incentivize them to reply to you, then that's a massive indicator for Gmail that you're sending out quality stuff. Now, obviously, you've got to be careful not to shoot yourself in the foot here, though. If you send a mail out to 10,000 people and you say, reply and tell me what you think or reply and tell me what you want next, then you sure as hell have got to reply to those replies. You can't just ignore them because suddenly that's going to really upset people. So you've got to make sure you've got a system in place and infrastructure, probably with real human beings yep. to actually do that because while engagement is very important I've seen this on Facebook and Twitter where you'll have a big business and they'll be posting they'll be blasting lots of stuff out they'll be letting lots of comments and replies to their Facebook posts their Twitter posts and guess what they don't reply to any of them mm, 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 mm. and they very very quickly lose credibility so if you're going to do you know, it's, it's a real ninja trick to ask people to reply but you've got to make sure that you're ready to deal with those replies and if you do that then this is gold dust right there there you go words from the man himself so I think that that's really powerful and it does speak to engaging with people and having real conversations. And there's a tendency for people to not want to engage with their customers, not want to have to talk to anybody, to be able to be left alone in a room and just have money appear in their bank account and then be able to go do what they want with their family and friends. And the reality is, is that if that's how you feel, you either need to get out of that or need to find a place where you can come from a point of servitude where you really want to help people and engage with people and, you know, do something you're passionate about. Yeah, exactly. Or just go get a job where you can clock in and clock out because otherwise it's just going to be the bane of your existence. Yep. A lot of companies are scrambling because their target demographics are aging. And so people who watch TV is an aging demographic. And that's a mass media channel. And it, unfortunately, a lot of the younger generation, they're going online. And there's YouTube, sure, but there's a ton of other niche video sites. And people are watching video on Facebook and all sorts of stuff. And they're getting really specialized. And it's hard. I remember I was in, a, I had an opportunity to speak with uh, Greg Ranker from Guthy Ranker, the infomercial company that's got like Proactive mm-hmm. and 101 other products literally hundreds of millions of dollars per year and they're trying to find a way to push volume online like they do with television television they get one spot they put on a couple networks and they're pushing like millions of impressions big money yeah but they're aging they're aging and they're nervous because they don't know what they're going to do to replace that they don't know what they're going to do to replace that in 40 years that's something that they're afraid of today yeah and that's where like you say by taking these practices by building a community a tribe by building a better relationship with people you become magnetic to those people right when you become hyper relevant people want to open your messages they're like dude absolutely you you gotta connect with this guy 
Let me introduce you to this guy. You need to talk to him because he does things really well. And that's where your stuff can become viral. So I think that's a really powerful message to share. So I guess the next thing I want to kind of ask is like, well, I was going to say like, if anything, what do you think holds people back from implementing this? Is it just a lack of knowledge? Is it a fear of a dip in, I don't know what, what? Yeah, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And sometimes, and I'll include myself in this, people can be a little bit too, um, too quick to think that everyone else is the problem and not look at your own stuff mm-hmm. you know it's very easy to think well this email that i created then it's perfect isn't it mm-hmm. and more often than not then it can probably be improved you can probably get better so i think it is that the big thing is just about taking responsibility and saying okay so what steps can i do to actually make this better how can i serve my audience better and i think that's probably the biggest thing is it is just absolutely um taking responsibility and starting to think about ways that you can improve and and it is i think some of it there's a lot of kind of i guess it's misguided old world thinking where people are just thinking that the rules haven't changed from 10 years ago where you could you know, literally blast out 10,000 emails and everyone would love you and, and it has changed and some people realise this other people they see their open rates going down and they're saying oh it's just because the platform I'm using isn't as good as it is but you know in reality they're declining everywhere and unless you're doing something clever you're not going to buck the trend mm, 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 mm. so I think I think it is it's about you know, but, but also people try, you know, they try and gain the system it's like I still know people that will maybe put 50 50 empty lines at the bottom of their email so that the, the unsubscribe button pushed all the way down. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and it's, and it's like, you know, why, why on earth would you do that? You're making it harder for your guys to unsubscribe, yeah. which means that instead you'll just get ignored. And, and you know, and there's just silly things like that, that, you know, people don't realize it's a bad thing to do. Yeah. But all they're doing is shooting themselves in the foot. A great quote comes to mind where don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. You know, yeah. don't hide the unsubscribe button. Don't wish it were easier to keep people on your list so you can blast them. Wish you were better so people wanted to be on your list. I- exactly. If someone doesn't want to hear from me, then I'm quite happy to let them go. You know, with well, on my, you know, because I've, I've built a, a very small niche list of Infusionsoft users that are interested in deliverability. And I've got maybe 700 people on that list. It's a, you know, comparatively small list. And, you know, every time I send an email out, I will get you know three or four five unsubscribes mm-hmm. but that's absolutely cool i'm happy for that because it means you know maybe they're not using infusionsoft anymore maybe they just don't like what i've got to say but that's absolutely fine because it means that i'm not wasting their time anymore and it's not wasting you know resources that i could be using elsewhere mm. Mm. You know, it, it is just, you know, get the value out there. And if the value is there, you know, the, the day that I send an email out and suddenly a hundred people unsubscribe and I know that I've goofed big time and I've got to, you know, raise my game. Right. But it is just about keep an eye on the numbers because it is, you know, a little tip I'll share is never compare your open rate with someone else's. Mm. But certainly, you know, because, you know, I, I could double anyone's open rate by going in and deleting half the contacts that haven't engaged. You know, that's, 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 that's one of the tricks. But on the other hand, you must compare your open rate this week with your open rate last week and the week before and the month before. Right. Because if the trend is that it's going down, then you've got to recognize that and do something about it. What, what I love is that you're talking about the trend because open rates are more of a chess beating metric than an exact science. Yep. But the trend should be the same. Exactly. You know, if you're adding, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people to your list per week, you might have to be more careful because you might have, you know, onboard a mass of people from Yahoo and then a mass of people from Gmail and a mass of people somewhere else. So that can fluctuate your open rate. But generally speaking, for the general population, for 80% plus people listening to this, you know, open rates will just be a trend and something to watch and, you know, and, and pay attention to that. But just know that those metrics are really hard to track and so it's all about the trend and things growing or are they declining that's fantastic absolutely yeah that's exactly it
So, Adrian, um, you've been so forthcoming and helpful in this. I feel like we've really made some headway and hopefully given people some stuff to think about. Are they engaging with people? Are they having two-way conversations? Are they just blasting people? Are they barking at someone in a corner in the room who's not looking at them, who's not nodding, who's not responding? If that's the case, then maybe they need to change their approach and get out of that because it might be okay today, but the way that things are going, it will not be okay tomorrow. And how do you segment people to give them more of what they need, they want right now, and even change it up after a while? because their life's going to change. They're not going to be the same person in a year with the same issues, hopefully. And so that's some real heavy thinking to think about. Think about those things and how do you build that into your business and how do you incorporate that and how do you plan for that? And I think there's been some wonderful nuggets we've given people. Is there anything I should have asked you about that I didn't ask you about? It's a a tough one. I mean, you know, I obviously I I could talk on this for hours, days, (laughs) weeks, months, probably. What I'm doing, rather than try and cover one last thing now, anything like that, then it's probably a good time to actually share the um, as, as a brand new free mini guide that I'm just launching. It's a series of emails all about email deliverability, inbox placement, showing you exactly how you can maximize your deliverability and engagement with your audience. And what I'd love to do, if you're okay, is for me to just share the link to that. Yeah, do it. I've actually got two bits in there. It starts off, then you you know you can just put your name, email address in there, and I'll, I'll put you through the guide. But at the same time, I've also actually is a little email deliverability survey in there because what I'm really keen to understand is well what are people seeing out there in the real world what are your challenges right now that I maybe might not have covered yet what trends are you seeing what do you make of your platform what are the particular problems how can I help you know I'd love you to just hop online certainly request the access to the mini guide and I'll start sending those emails out and that's you know nice and easy if you'd be willing to fill in the survey that comes as part of that then that will really help me and at the same time I will help you guys by being able to actually tailor the content that I provide to match that. So again, it's a perfect example of practicing what I preach. I want to know what people need because I'm then going to give it to you guys. And to get hold of that is really, really easy. You just need to hop onto the website and the web address is just http colon slash slash we deliver dot email slash guide. I'll just repeat that. It's we deliver dot email slash guide. And if you go there, then that'll give you everything you need to get you an even better chance to get your emails in front of more people. So they're reading your emails, they're engaging, and that can make massive difference to the business. And I think that a lot of the principles we've talked about, and it's not just for email either. It relates to email as well as to any other communication that you're doing with your clients. It's just the channel might be different. There's tactical nuances to email for sure, but being relevant and interesting to your prospects and the people you're messaging, that doesn't matter whether it's Snapchat, whether it's Facebook, whether it's text, whether it's even in face-to-face and in person. So um, go check out wedeliver.email forward slash guide. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always an honor and a pleasure when we talk. I really value and appreciate you, especially for coming and helping me with my share with my audience today. So thank you so much and I just wish you all the best and thank you. No, thank you, Daryl. It's been a real pleasure and you know, just the, the last note there, if there's anything that I can help with then you know you're welcome to find me on facebook it's just facebook.com slash adrian savage add me as a friend ping me a message obviously you know how to get hold of the mini guide so always happy to help if i can awesome you've reached the end of our interview now first let me thank you for listening i appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know and now i'd like to ask you a couple of questions first what three lessons did you just learn what three aha moments just jumped out at you Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? 
Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.